The concept of retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There has got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA, founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent practice with securities offered through Raymond James Inc., member FINRA SIPC, and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello and welcome to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC, and you can tune in every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. Thank you for tuning in. And also, if you have questions throughout the week, we'd love to hear from you. You can send those to retirewhileyouwork.com. Click the Contact Us button, and we'll do our best to answer those. Thanks again for tuning in. You can also call us anytime at 615-435-3644. And today, I'm in studio with Siobhan Farler again. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, David. It's glad to be back. Well, Siobhan is a uh, she's COO and also one of our wealth managers at our practice. And then also, we have a... Uh, special guest today, Tom Truitt. Hello, Tom. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad you're here. Tom is the founder of Music Row Search, and for around 15 years, you have experience, what, in the recruiting and management industry? Is that right? I've been a headhunter for 23 years total. Head, wow, 23 years. And you saw an opportunity to, to merge those recruiting skills with a passion of yours, which is the music business. That's right. I, I realized that the guy, if you will, in the music industry, as far as being the recruiter of record, really didn't exist. And so I kind of am trying to fill that void. Great. That's a great, great niche. So we're going to speak with Tom. I can't wait to interview him in our last segment about starting a business, as this is a very common theme on the Retire While You Work show and just in our practice in general and and working with clients. So many people are looking for a way to to break that work yourself to death mentality and find a way to change gears and achieve more balance in life and also find something that they're more passionate about. And I believe that's something that Tom was able to accomplish. And so you won't want to miss that. And we'll also have our popular segment, Know Your Dough, where I'm going to ask Tom and Siobhan and also uh, um, Maybe you, Scooter, our producer, ask a couple of uh, trivia questions for fun. So Trivia questions? Trivia questions. Yep, you don't want to miss that. Stay awake back there, right? <laughs> okay, I'm on it. So we have a lot to, uh, and we're also going to answer some of your questions, uh, the Ask David section coming up. So let's get right to it. If you've been listening to this show regularly, regularly, then you know that we really have a passion in our practice for changing the entire conversation around retirement and how it's viewed in this country. You know, we don't want you or really anyone to work themselves ragged until you're 60 or 65 or whatever the age is that we've been trained to think is the magic retirement age, thinking that you only can enjoy life once you reach that stage. Instead, it's all about balance and living life while you're working. And that's where we uh, came up with this philosophy, retire while you work. Um, It has so many aspects to it. I mean, since we have Tom here today, uh, Siobhan and I were talking and we thought the topic of entrepreneurship would really fit. And we've had a lot of clients in our practice that have had really what we call their main job for 15 or 20 years. And then more often than not, these clients, they come into our office and they start talking about, you know, maybe it's time to do something different. I can't keep up with the 70 hour work week. Maybe, uh, you know, I'll try consulting or try to get a part time gig in the same industry. Or even more excited, you know, they get more excited about maybe quitting that industry or that first job altogether and um, starting a new business. And that's something we're going to talk with Tom about today. So finding what you love to do. Now, I know uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Siobhan, we were talking about this yesterday in the office. We had a client that um, had been a police officer for 15 years 
and discovered that he really loves being a real estate agent. Yes, I remember this conversation well. And it's something he had always wanted to do. And he made a promise to himself that as soon as he could get his real estate commissions could um, equal his salary as a policeman, he would quit the police force and go all in. Um, You know, now, is this tough? Was this tough for this client working both jobs? Of course it was, but allowed him the safety net of still having his main job um, while he was getting up and running and uh, figuring out if his passion of being a real estate agent was something that he could do and still support the family. And I was reading an article the other day, I believe it was Forbes magazine, um, discussing the art of being an entrepreneur. Um, And they mentioned, you know, fundamentally, an entrepreneur not only sees an opportunity, but he or she seizes the opportunity. Now, that sounds really interesting. The article is talking about, and I like this this kind of train of thought that, you know, if you go out and do what everyone else has done, you're going to have what everyone else has. And so entrepreneurs are usually the ones out in our community who are willing to go out and do what no one else is willing to do. Maybe that's work 70 hours and to, you know, miss miss a game, uh, you know, miss a baseball game with the kids, things that we don't want to do, but they're willing to do some of those things for the long-term fulfillment and the gratification of doing what they love to do. And um, and this is, again, something we've we've had to coach a lot of clients through. Now, Tom, is this something, would you agree with that, or is there something you'd like to add to that, just being an entrepreneur yourself? Yeah, you got to be willing to walk into a burning building. And oh, wow. You, uh, I use that frequently when I describe to people what I've done and, and what I try to do. You can't be afraid to go where others won't go. Like filling that void that you were talking about earlier, that there was a void in the music industry in regards to being a headhunter and to fill that void. Exactly. And I love it when people say, oh, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Are you crazy? Don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, I am crazy. Watch me. <laughs> I am crazy. <laughs> I love that watch me bit. Yep. Now, we've talked in the past about um, fear, and that's something we talk a lot about just in investing in the stock market in general, um, but also transitioning into retirement. I had my father on the show um, about a month ago, and this was something um, very near and dear to my heart. We spent a lot of time um, sharing fe- his feelings about going from working into retirement. But, you know, a lot of times it's the fear of the unknown and chasing something that you're passionate about. Will I have enough money? Will I be able to succeed? Am I? Is it safer staying in my current position? I mean, that's um, that's something that goes through a lot of people's minds. And one of the biggest fears, of course, with entrepreneurship in general is money, how to have the money not only to support the startup of the business, but how to make a profit from the business. And this Forbes article went on to say that many people don't become entrepreneurs because they don't know how to monetize their dream. Tom, was that was this one of your fears or was this your biggest fear when you started Music Research? Honestly, it was not a fear because okay. I didn't even think about it. It, it, wow! It, I mean, talk about going into a burning building. Um, I didn't really think it all the way through, truth be told. I just realized what I wanted to do. I was passionate about the music industry, and I knew I was a very good headhunter, and I was going to try to meld those two together. And if I had a reasonable amount of success, I was going to make a living. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, if you're considering stepping out on your own, I'd highly encourage you to make sure that you do what you know, Tom did, but also our police officer client did. And that's, um, well, well, I didn't ask you, Tom, did you, did you work both jobs or did you cold, did you stop? I, yeah, I left the toy industry altogether and burned my boat, so to speak, and went full on. In fact, I rented a little room right down the street in the RCA building, uh, ergo the name Music Row Search. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Well, it's about time for a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about entrepreneurship, starting your own business and chasing your dreams and speaking with Tom Truett more about this. And then we'll answer some of your questions in our Ask David segment and do a little fun trivia. So stay tuned. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And right before the break, we were talking with Tom Truitt, who is the founder of Music Row Search. And who, who knew? That's hard to say. Is it? Tell us what is what is who who knew? Who knew is a networking event for the music industry that is loosely patterned after a very successful event up in New York City called the New York Tech Meetup. And oh, it is, I've heard of that before. Well, it is the granddaddy of all meetups, and it's must-see TV if you have any interest or, or anything to do with technology in New York City. And okay. Nashville didn't have like, that. Like a, like a TED Talk? Uh, the format of it is a TED Talk. Okay. In, the, in the New York Tech meetup, though, they're more pitching. Uh, so these are entrepreneurs that are pitching their new apps or their new websites or their devices and oh, things like that. And my event, again, I said loosely patterned, is more of a TED Talk where I have seven music executives tell their stories, share their wisdom, um, make predictions about the industry, that kind of thing. Great. That's exciting. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that in our last segment. We're going to interview Tom, but, you know, we're... Tom is an entrepreneur himself, and today we're talking about being an entrepreneur and some of our client stories. We had an example of one of our clients who was a police officer and wanted to be a real estate agent and um, kind of what that transition looked like. And just a couple of things, you know, if this is if this represents you and where you're at, you know, make sure there's you know that you have an emergency fund and um, you know, if you're able to work two jobs, that's the way a lot of people get started, where you can keep your main job and get and start up your business on the side or on the weekends. But a lot of times people aren't, aren't able to do that um, because you need more time to get the new business off the ground. So what I tell people is do things like have a very healthy emergency fund. And we talk about three buckets of money all the time in our practice and on the show. Bucket one is that... Um, Dave Ramsey, three to six months uh, emergency fund in cash. Bucket three is all your retirement accounts. That's long-term money that you certainly wouldn't use to start a business, but that's very important. But it's that middle bucket, bucket two, that we always encourage clients to have, where you would save money outside of retirement and outside of your emergency fund for kind of middle, middle of the life type of expenses, whether it's you know, upgrading your house or paying for the kid's college, but specifically in this instance, starting another business. So maybe you've saved two years worth of income so that when you quit your main job, you're able to go to that money, take some of the pressure off and really focus on the new business. You know, so many people, they'll go and try to start a restaurant and they've got, you know, 20 grand in the bank and then they're liquidating their 401k. And that causes so much stress and a lot of times will cause them to, um, gosh, to quit or to buckle under the pressure when had a, they had three or four more years of planning, um, they could have avoided that. So, And this is something um, I did personally when uh, before branching off and going starting our own boutique firm at Raymond James. Um, I really thought about this for five years, and Siobhan and I talked, yeah, a, lot we talked a lot about it. Saved up some money in the business so that there was because um, you never knew if all your clients are going to follow you or half or what it's going to be. And so we had to be prepared. And um, that's very important if you're doing this. So, um, I mean, Tom, did you have did you have a plan B? 
Did you have, or did, were you prepared and did you have a backup plan? Lord, no. And if I could have a, a, a talk with my 15-year-old self, my 25-year-old self, and even my 45-year-old self, I would dispense different advice to all three of those if people. you figure out how to do that, I would love to go and do <laughs> Yeah, that. definitely. Well, I would, especially the 15 and the 25-year-old, sure. I would echo something you're talking about, and that is save more money earlier in life. Yes. And that's something I've hammered into my own kids' heads. Uh, you just can't save enough early enough. Yeah. It's no, it's it's so true. I mean, I I don't know the the exact stats off the top of my head, but um, you know the uh, the average person is you know, at thirty five is just you know getting their pos- a lot of times getting positive net worth because the average sixty three year old in this country has around a hundred thousand dollars of liquid investments and in net worth, and so a thirty five year old in this country, you're doing good if you're out of student loan debt and credit card debt. So if you can break that mold and start saving when you're 25, 15, yeah. whatever. 15, 20, 25. I mean, that makes all the difference. Yeah, you bet it does. So then when you're 45, you're tired of that, you know, that first, your kind of first career, you have the ability to to walk out on your own and not put it on a credit card. You have choices. Yeah. So, um, well, we were talking earlier about, there was this Forbes article uh, talking about entrepreneurship and um, there were five things, five steps they had to becoming an entrepreneur I thought were interesting. One was, um, you know, first you got obviously have to seek, to, you know, go, spend time to seek to find the opportunities. Tom, it's curious. How did the idea for Music Row Search come to you? You said there was a need and you saw a void, but how did that, how did that brew in your mind? Well, it actually started from passion. I had a, an insatiable thirst for music. I have no musical ability whatsoever. I don't play, I don't write, I don't sing, but oh, you'll yeah. never meet a bigger fan of music and concerts and the industry than me. And I wanted to make my living in the music industry. And I realized that at age 40, I can't really work in the mailroom and kind of work my way up. So if I was going to find an opportunity, I was going to have to create that opportunity. Yeah, that's great. So you had a lot of a lot of foresight with that. I'm 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 the same way. My, I come from a musical family, but I have no musical experience. But I love a lot of our practices in the music business. Probably a third of our clients, and I just love working with creatives, and I love music just as a whole. Right on. So I share that passion. So I'm with you. Well, that's great. And then so first was seek to find opportunities. Um, the next step in the five steps to becoming an entrepreneur. Number two. Believe what you see as possible. Now, this may sound obvious, but it's not. You have to really envision what success looks like and believe in yourself. And um, I mean, this is often a hard thing a lot of times because of fear. Yes, the Especially, fear we were talking about earlier. Yep, absolutely. And fear can do a lot of uh, a lot of nasty things to the mind. So, really believing in yourself and and taking time to really reflect and envision what success looks like. Number three would be. Um, which I mentioned earlier in the show, being willing to do what no one else is willing to do. And there's no doubt that that's scary and it's very hard. And again, fear drives uh, many people. And all, you know, a lot of people are driven by fear and, and probably more people are shut down by fear. So really think it over and get your mind right. And just at the end of the day, just go for it. I mean, this is, I'd, I'd call this a good old fashioned elbow grease, just the long hours, the minimal staff at first at you. And if you're lucky, maybe you have somebody helping. Um, and Tom, I'm sure you can validate this. Oh, Lord. One of my teaching, what I was taught early on as a student book salesperson for Southwestern was the common denominator of success. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but yes. yeah. simply put, it is successful people form the habit of doing the things that unsuccessful people don't like to do. Absolutely. And in making, that, making the cold calls. Exactly. Knocking on doors. Yep. That's something you necessarily were thinking about in high school as something you wanted to do. But I mean, it's the only, it was the only way to break the, to break the mold. 
In my case, it was the only way I could pay for college. Or pay for college, right. Right. But that, but that, instead of shutting you down, that drove you. And once you, you smelt success and you were envisioning success, you were driven by that and kept going. Right. Except for how many years? Three and a half? Sold books for three summers. Three summers. That's three great. long, miserable <laughs> summers. <laughs> Those are long hours. What, like 80, 80 hours a week? A week yeah, yeah, 80 hours. Wow. And you stay in somebody's stay in somebody's house that you, you even go knock on doors to find a place to stay, right? Exactly. I was in nowhere, Texas, and <laughs> you know all my buddies were you know working at golf courses and you know at the beach, and I was out knocking on doors in Texas, which is just miserable. Let me ask this: Looking back, would you change anything? Nope. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I figured you'd say not. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it, it molded who you are today. I hear you. Okay, so number number four. Um, it's build your business around your passion and your values. Now, if you're going to get up every morning and work and especially go work 80 hours a week, you know, you really, you need to be working for something or towards something that inspires you and that you have passion for. And, you know, Siobhan, I think we both agree. We're passionate about what we do. I mean, Absolutely. If, and, you know, when I was 15 years old, I started a E-Trade account and was cutting grass and trying to learn what an IRA was. So there's this passion is what's driven me in this business. And I think it's so important. So you have to spend, spend, spend your time doing something that you love. And a lot of times we go through, we go through parts of our career and our life where you're not able to do that, but thinking about that and really having a plan on how to get there, um, is very important. And then, um, Number five on the list of five things to, steps to becoming an entrepreneur in this Forbes magazine was figure out how you can serve people doing what you're passionate about. So a common theme here about passion, um, and I like that, about finding out how you can serve people while you're doing what you're passionate about. I think that's the ultimate ultimate recipe for success. If you love what you do and you truly walk away feeling like you serve people at the end of the day. Doesn't feel like a job. Doesn't feel like a job. So you'd agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Good stuff. Well... In the uh, in the last segment, we're gonna um, we're gonna interview Tom and talk more about being an entrepreneur. A couple more things I wanted to point out here. Um, well, we've got just a little bit of time before break. Right when we come back from break, I want to do our know your dough. Ooh, have a, a fun little a, a couple of trivia questions about uh, small businesses here in the United States, and then Siobhan, we're gonna take uh, some of our listeners' questions. Do you have any questions for us this week? I do, and they're about entrepreneurs, so this is a great fit. Oh, good, great, and we'll have Tom help us with those as well. So when we come back, we'll answer your questions. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a minute. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And I have Siobhan from my office here in studio with us. And she's about to answer or ask some of the questions that you sent in to us throughout the week in just, in just a minute here. And we also have special guest Tom Truitt, who is an entrepreneur, is going to talk about his experience starting a business and uh, give us some good wisdom um, there in our last segment. So you won't want to miss that. But before we get there, let's do a little bit of trivia, our Know Your Dough segment. Yay! So I'm going to ask a couple of questions. It's just for fun. Uh, Tom, Tom, love you to participate in this. I'm in. You're in. You're all in. And then, Scooter, are you back there? <laughs> I am. All right. You get to answer, too. So here's a couple of, uh, couple of questions here. So how many small businesses are in the United States? Okay. A is 5 million. B would be 10 million. C, 28 million. Or D, 100 million. How many small businesses in the U.S.? Tom, I'm going to ask you first. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to say 28 million. Why, why 28? Just a guess. 
Well, I'm not sure there's a hundred million of them, unless you consider every single Uber driver and a small business. That, yeah, that's yeah. I'm not sure how. Um, yeah, okay. But if it's a true incorporated entity that pays taxes, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 28 million. Scooter Siobhan, do you agree? He's an expert. <laughs> He's an expert. I'm going with him. That seems logical to me. Yeah, it's actually that's right. And Way yeah, to go! Ding 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 ding. ding. 28 million small businesses and actually outnumbers corporations. This is interesting. Um, 1,162 to one. So a lot more small businesses and corporations. Right. Wow. Yeah. The question is, I don't know. Do they factor in Uber drivers and that sort of thing? Who knows? I bet they don't. They probably don't. Yeah. Yep. All right. Number two, where in the world is the cheapest uh, to start a small business? This was according to Intuit, just a little something that uh, that I saw. This was based on inflation and some other things. We won't get in the weeds. But the cheapest place to start a business, A, is at the United States, B, Ireland, C, the UK, or D, India? Ooh. Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're the guest today. Uh, I'm going to say India. India? Okay. Yep. I'm going to go with the UK. Ireland. Oh, Scooter, I left you out. <laughs> Ireland sounds like a good answer. <laughs> Scooter, you're right. You win. Ireland is actually was the cheapest, followed by the UK, then the US, and then India was the most expensive. My only guess would be on India because it's based on income and inflation. Probably if, if the average person there is, let's say, making $2,000 a year compared to 40000 a year kind of based on wages and inflation. Oh. I was just thinking the tax structure in Ireland and in England would be prohibitively high. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So on what that was Who on knew? Intuit? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Ireland. So if you want to start a business, be an Uber driver in Ireland. How about that? Hey, there we go. <laughs> All right. Last question. How many small businesses rely on credit for financing? Okay. One hundred percent. The highest I have is 95, so that may be your answer. A is 1%, B, 33%, C, 50 and D, 95%. Tom? Define credit. Credit cards? Um, Lending? I'm going I'm going 95. 95? Personal experience. I'll tell you the way they answered this, though, okay, and we'll see. Siobhan? Yeah, 95 sounds... It's a lot. Almost, yeah, I would. that would be my guess. I have the answer in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's it's actually not that, but I'll t- but but that's what I would have guessed. And I, scooter, I would say fifty. Fifty, okay. It's thirty three percent. Now let's oh, see. Oh, a third. So a third of small businesses rely on credit financing, and this was in, according to Business Insider publication. The figure actually used to be closer to fifty percent, but as the credit card, with all that credit card legis- legislation, and then two thousand and eight, the whole entire economic landscape changed, and small businesses are now more cautious about financing. Um. And this is something, you know, looking at, I study a lot of the, uh, J.P. Morgan puts out these stats about the market. And I can tell you the average business owner and the average just household has less debt and less financing now um, compared to before 2008. I still would have thought that the majority of small businesses um, borrowed money. But I guess, again, it goes back to what are they counting as a small business? Right. So maybe they saved, maybe they did what I said earlier and they spent a couple of years, saved up 50,000 bucks and used that as seed money and um, that sort of thing. So thought that was interesting. Now, let's go ahead now and do our Ask David segment. Do Ooh, we have any good. questions? We want? do. We do. And the questions this week actually revolve around entrepreneurships. So I think it kind of fits in great with our topic. Um, the first one was um, a, a actually from an email that we got in from a listener. And it, she says that she's in her late 50s and she's been trying to get her small business up and running for the last two years. And 
okay. to no avail, not turning a profit or anything. And she's been having to tap into her old 401k from her former employer to meet her just daily normal living expenses. And so two years into this business, she she can tell that her 401k won't be able to last. Should she keep trying to keep her business off the ground or should she go do something else? Okay, that's a great question. I'd always, you know, I'd, I'd first always, you know, I'd say if, if it's her passion and she believes in it, then absolutely, you know, you don't don't quit. But I know at some point, you know, that you have to look at the financial situation. So I would encourage you to, to keep going after your passion just, just in general. But um, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier on the show about how important planning before, yes, um, you know, taking the plunge into your own business while well, having that, um, you know, I think it usually takes around two years or so from my experience with clients. Um, when starting a business to start to feel financial relief and to feel like you're starting to make income and um, not digging a hole anymore, but maybe starting to fill that hole. And um, that isn't always the case. And we know that, I, I don't know. I mean, isn't it, Tom, have you ever heard a stat that around seven out of 10 small businesses usually don't make it? Does that sound correct? Oh yeah. At least that. At least that. Sure. I think, yeah. Higher I mean, if it's restaurants. I was going to say, I've heard nine out of 10 or 90% of the restaurant business. So, you know, so at a minimum, I think you have to give yourself two years, um, and which means the planning beforehand, if you're thinking at least two years, and let's say your minimum, it costs you $60,000 to keep the household going. Well, basic math, you should probably have $120,000 in a perfect world saved up before in a, you know, in a savings account beforehand, um, you know, so that you're not having to tap into your 401k. Now, you know, I love the situation when you can work your main job and spend the first that first year building the business. Kind of like the police officer we were talking about earlier in the show. Right, where we still had the income coming in, so there wasn't that pressure, and you're able to get the... Because a lot of times the first year in a business, um, there's not as much you can do. You're doing a lot of administrative and getting the business set up. So if you can kind of piggyback off a second income, maybe you don't need that entire 120000 in my example. Maybe right. you need fifty or sixty, But definitely planning. Um, and many people use uh, their 401k... Um, but because of the IRS penalties and the taxes, I'd much rather see someone have that bucket too I talked about earlier in the show, which would be kind of a not at, not at, not your retirement account, maybe not your emergency fund, but money that you've saved up in some sort of conservative investment portfolio. The bucket um, too would be perfect in this situation, right? Because then there would they wouldn't have to pay the the penalties and the taxes would be uh, typically much less um, if it wasn't in an IRA. Um, so, okay, so now in this situation, the 401k is going fast, and the question is, should she keep doing this? So I think it comes down, you know, to several things. I mentioned, you know, is she still passionate about it? Hopefully so. But has there been noticeable momentum and progress? And, you know, again, is the passion still there? Um, probably needs to step back, take a time out, get with um, a trusted advisor, a financial advisor. Come and, see uh, us. Yeah, come see us, of course. Um, and, and really talk about, okay, the 401k she mentioned is almost gone. So what happens next? Is she going to finance it? Are we going to borrow money? Um, this is where planning is more important than ever because the last thing you want to do is go blindly into more financial stress or to start taking on debt after the 401k is done. Especially in her 50s. She's, uh, we yeah. were talking about time earlier. She's kind of coming up against the time block. 50 is the new 30. Yeah, yeah, it is a new thing. You're right. So yeah, that's it's definitely it's still a lot more time to write the ship. But planning is very important. You know, consider things like backup income. So you know, how are you going to get additional money? Um, but also, what is your backup income going to be? Are you going to go ahead and do you have an, another? Can you go back into your first job? Do you have something else lined up um, in case year three doesn't work? So we certainly wish the wish this uh, listener luck and come see us or call us anytime. We'd be happy to help. We always love to see entrepreneurs win and starting a business is such an exciting thing to do. And we're so blessed 
here in this country to be able to do that. So um, if you're just tuning in, you've been listening to Retire While You Work, and we're about to go to break. We're answering some, we've been answering some of your questions. It's actually time in our next segment to interview our special guest, Tom Truitt, about entrepreneurship. So some of these questions we're going to save for our next show. We had some great questions today about starting up businesses. A lot of them had that same theme of how do I plan for this? What do I do? And I would just go back to think, you know, think a year or two uh, before you make the plunge, save up money, get with a team of advisors that you can really think through all of your options. And um, good luck. Be passionate and go after your passion. You're listening to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, News Radio 1510 WLAC. When we come back from break, we're going to do our special interview with Tom Truett, founder of Music Row Search. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Just before the break, we answered one of our listeners' questions. We played a little trivia and we also uh, have spent time talking about entrepreneurship and the five things that you need to know about being an entrepreneur if you're thinking about starting your own business. And we chatted with our special guest, Tom Truitt, a little bit about his experiences and his wisdom. And now we're going to spend a little time with Tom. Um, diving into this a little bit deeper. Now, each week in our last segment, we really like to have a special guest, something that we feel like ties into that retire while you work mindset. Uh, Maybe take a little something off your plate or just give you some helpful information so that at the end of the day, the purpose of the show is to help you find ways to enjoy life and make the most of your time. And uh, entrepreneurship, the reason that's so important is if you're able to uh, seek out your passion and plan for it and end up in a job or start a business that you've always wanted to do since a child or since college, that's a great place to be and definitely uh, plays into the Retire While You Work framework. So today we're going to talk with Tom Truitt of Music Research. And Tom, now Tom, you can tell me if this sounds accurate, almost worked himself to death. You were working a lot of hours, even in college, 80 <laughs> hours a week. And you had to find some sort of work-life balance and you went into business for yourself, started Music Research, and who knew Nashville? And, you know, tell us about that. Tell us, you know, why did you go into business for yourself? Give us a little background. So I had this real desire to make my living in the music industry somehow. And previously I had made a really good living as a headhunter. I was, uh, I had a practice that was devoted to management consulting firms and technology companies. This was from 1990 to 2002. And in those days, the supply and demand inequality for what we did was so skewed in our favor. It was crazy. I mean, there were days when I would kind of kid our team, like, I can't believe they pay us to do this. Right. But honestly, I was just not passionate about the people I was dealing with or the companies I was representing. Okay. So after 9-11 hit and the tech bubble burst, I looked around and realized I don't, I'm not having fun. I don't want to do this anymore. And so I abruptly sort of left and, and went into a whole new career in the toy industry. And that toy, was a, the toy industry, wow. The toy yeah. business. I sold the board game Cranium. I before. love that game. That is it, right by my couch. It is a great game. It was a lot of fun to sell. I spent four and a half years flying all over Kingdom Come, calling on major retailers. But at the end of the day, it was exhausting. And I had two young children at the time. And talk about work-life balance, I had none. How um, many? Were you, gone, were, you, were you gone three nights a week, four nights a week? 
I would be gone at least two flights a week, but yeah. I would do day trips frequently. I, I've flown to Portland, Oregon, back, you know, out and back in the same day before to avoid wow. that overnight because I coached my children in their sports yeah. and things like that. And I was not going to miss many of those life events, period. Consequently, I worked myself nearly the to death. Well, yeah, because balance balance was important, and you didn't sacrifice spending time with the kids. But there's only so many hours in the day. So my guess is you probably weren't sleeping ten hours a night. Oh heck no, never have. <laughs> Four hours mm, on a good night. On a good night. Oh, yeah. Well, but, so what's the what's the hardest part of being in business for yourself, and the most rewarding part? Uh, the hardest is honestly having to do it all yourself, at least initially. In other words, you're the sales department, you're the marketing department, the finance department. You're your accounts payable, accounts receivable. You're it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Truly, the buck stops here. So, learning how to do all those things and balance those things, juggle those things, is quite a challenge, especially if you don't know what the heck you're doing in some of those things. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm. I'm it's five years since we, you know, we've yes. been doing this for what 15 years, but um, five years ago, decided to kind of do it in our own practice, and it it probably took me a couple of years on just getting the system set up and everything from the accounting and the payroll and you're the HR department. Because we knew how to do what we were doing with the wealth management. It was the accounts yep. payable and all that other stuff, just like you were mentioning. And all we, wanted, all we wanted to do was sit down and do this with clients and connect with them, but then you, you, you still have to do all that other stuff. And then as you start, a couple of years go by and you start, you know, your revenue's increasing and you get more comfortable, then you get to hire people and people are what... People are what run businesses. No, you're not kidding. So, but and, but you probably had to do a lot of. You said you did all this on your own at first, right? Yep, I had to by yeah. necessity. Yep. Well, kind of the other side of that question: What's the most rewarding part? Would you say of of you know being in business for yourself? Well, obviously, it's the satisfaction of knowing that you tried to do something and there's some tangible success attached to it. The fact that you are your own boss and can run your own schedule. If you want to take today off and go play golf. No, don't have to check with anybody. You just go. If you can really afford it to pick up the family and fly over to Ireland for yeah. you know, <laughs> and a start week, another cheap, business. cheap place to start a business. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it, it's truly you, you alone answer to yourself or to your spouse in my case. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. We're very similar in kind of the, the being entrepreneurs. Would you, could you see yourself going back to, um, 100% working for someone else. Do you think if you're an entrepreneur, it's in your blood and, and you and you thrive off of that risk and that adrenaline and that flexibility and the pros and the cons? Or do you think it's kind of a season? I think I could migrate toward being an intrapreneur as opposed to an entrepreneur. An intrapreneur is where you're sort of acting as an entrepreneur inside of another entity and where right. you've got... Oh latitude and flexibility to sort of do things and take risks and try new things. But ultimately, you've got support around you. Yeah. Like I could a, do that. Like running your small business within a bigger business where you're kind of a, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yep. So, you know, work-life balance, you mentioned it a, a, a few minutes ago. It's something I had to, uh, you know, my dad was like you. My dad wasn't going to miss his, anything to do with his kids. He's the most amazing dad on the planet. I mean, he really was amazing, but he was in retail for 40 years. And literally almost worked himself to death when he was 63 he almost had a almost had a stroke and that was a, a lot of the passion behind doing the show what I saw um, him go through and you know he created the balance by just running himself ragged because of the lack you know he wasn't going to give anything up so that seems like once you're comfortable comfortable financially time is our most precious commodity so how do you achieve or what advice would you give for achieving work-life balance because I think that's the magic question in all of this 
Well, you one, you live in the moment. So in other words, I when my children said, Daddy, will you do something with me? I would drop everything I was working on and uh, do whatever it was they wanted me to do because I knew I couldn't get that time back. I knew I could pay those bills or answer those emails or do whatever it was I was doing at that moment. I could do that later tonight. But if my son wanted to go, you know, play ball in the yard for 20 minutes, heck yeah, do it. So live in the moment and take advantage of those opportunities and just know that you'll have to stay up 20 minutes later tonight to do whatever that other menial task was. That's, I mean, that's such good advice. That's so true. I think so many people they're you know, especially now with technology, they're looking at their phone, they get a text message and, Hey daddy, let's throw catch. Not right now. I've got to, I've got to take care of this work thing and not even meaning to. And then they look up and, you know, little Johnny goes back inside and you could have taken five minutes and, and you need it just as much. He needs, he needs you and you need it just as much for yourself just to, to enjoy life and Amen. Kind of turn it off. But it's, uh, that's such, that's, Probably the best advice I think anybody could give anybody is to live in the moment. And also probably the hardest thing, um, especially in today's society. With devices, it's really hard. You know, they, they're supposed to be labor-saving devices. They're not labor-saving devices. They are, you know, they, you, you do more work, really. We have a rule in my family. There's no phones or tablets or electronics at the table. Whether or not it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, there's no. Awesome. And the hardest part is actually teaching the grandparents not like because all of us we know me I'm married and have two kids but the grandparents will come over and their phone will ring and they'll reach for their pocket we're like no you say nope no <laughs> not in our house not and not at the table that is our designated time as a family we could do an entire show and I, I made a note I'd love to do an entire show just on what technology's done and um, helping but probably worse kind of pulling us away from that retire while you work mentality um, you know you get more productivity but do you really well you never unplug you're always accessible. Yep. You know, the the cell phone is the greatest tool, but it's also the greatest time suck okay. ever. Can you imagine just thinking back to the 90s when, I mean, you had a pager and that was it and you couldn't be reached unless you had a quarter and decided to pull over. A payphone. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that sounds amazing. And we we feel like, how would you even run a business that way? But everybody was doing it then. So, God, what a lot of, it seems like there's so much peace in that. Yes. It's not being, the expectations were so much lower. Well, so... We're talking about work-life balance, Tom. Do you feel like you've achieved that more so now than in the past? It sounds like with you, you always were aware of it, but is it something as you've, um, you're a young guy, but as you've gotten older, have you done a better job at it? Honestly, no. no? I okay. strive to constantly, but no, if there's something that I could have done better and, and still I'm attempting to do much better is that. Okay. Good. Well, I think we all can learn from that. So, um, that's great. Now tell us, um, tell us, I'm, I'm curious, tell us about uh, who knew and what was your inspiration for creating this series, this, and and we talked about music, um, music research. So who knew is the darndest thing I've ever done. And, and there's an interesting anniversary related to who knew. Who knew was born out of a near death experience that I had three, oh, wow. three years ago this week, I nearly dropped dead of a massive heart event. I did not have it. Thank goodness. I'm knocking on wood as I wow. say that. But I was very close to that life-altering, if not ending, event. And in the hospital, I called one of my music industry heroes, a mentor of mine named Jim Griffin. And we had one of those conversations about the meaning of life and, you know, what am I doing and why am I here? And he said, when you get out of that hospital, you need to launch Nashville's answer to the New York Tech Meetup. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? And he told me about this event that he had attended in New York. And it sounded like a really cool idea. And he said, Truett, you are the one to do that in Nashville. So get healthy and get to work. And so I got out of the hospital and I started planning it. And my very first one was in January of 2015. And what Who Knew is, very simply, is it is a networking event for the music industry. And if you understand anything about the music industry, the music industry is a castle surrounded by a moat. (laughs) And either you're inside that castle or you're not. Mm -hmm. And what I'm attempting to do with Who Knew is make the music industry more accessible. Mm -hmm. And what the way we do it is we have six or seven, sometimes eight speakers. I give them 10 minutes to tell their story, share their wisdom, make their predictions about the music, you know, industry. And really what they're doing is they're providing access to information and themselves in hopes of making the music industry a better place to work and more accessible. And it's really succeeded. It's been a lot of fun figuring it out. I've done 17 of them now. They're every other month. We routinely fill City Winery, which is home base for the event now. And it's just been a real blessing. And it's really been a huge marketing platform for my day job, Music Row Search. I wasn't smart enough to realize that at the outset. I'll admit that, but boy, has it you know paid huge dividends in that regard. Well, yeah, that's incredible, and thanks for sharing that about kind of what you had to go through to 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 kind of get to get to that point. So um, that's great. Well, we we got a little bit more time. We're kind of wrapping up. I'd love to have you back on a future show. This has been great. But any other thoughts or advice that you'd like to leave us with? Back to entrepreneurship and and how do you make it happen? Uh, Years ago, I used to have something hanging on my wall that was the parable of the lion and the gazelle. And I bet you've heard this before, but if you haven't, maybe your listeners haven't, but it's something to the effect of every morning in Africa, a lion and a gazelle both wake up. The lion, sorry, the gazelle knows he must run faster than the fastest lion. The lion also knows he must run faster than the slowest gazelle. It doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. And I live by that. That is awesome. Thank you. So many great uh, great uh, tidbits of wisdom today from Tom Truett. Tom, thank you for being on the show. We'd love to have you back. And thank you, for, uh, as always, for tuning in with us today on Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And if you need to reach us during the week, Call us at 615-435-3644. Send your question to us. We'd love to uh, discuss it on the air. RetireWhileYouWork.com. Click the Contact Us button. Or actually, come by and see us at the office. We'd love to see your face, shake your hand, give you a hug. We're in the historic 12th South neighborhood. Um, I'm David Adams. And remember that life is short, and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money. And I certainly hope that this uh, show helps with that a little bit each week. Thank you. Thank you.